Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Long Shot Podcast, of course brought to you by 342 Productions, and I'm your host Duncan, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host Davis Reed. Yeah. Hey, Dunk. What's up? How we doing? Episode 10. Episode 10. We have uh, made our way into double digits, which I, you know, it's a, an exciting milestone. Um, you know, hopefully just, just the beginning though, nonetheless, but certainly excited to be here. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just an honor. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, like to thank family, friends, you, of course, for the platform, yeah. uh, long way to go, but double digits is something to celebrate. Yeah. There's a laundry list of people, uh, that we could both thank, but, uh, but anyways, let's just get down to business here. I am currently in Memphis, Tennessee, on the second night of a back-to-back, we landed here at about 2 a.m. last night. Uh, back-to-backs have been a regularity here in the second half of the, the season. We had another one to start. Uh, we played at home uh, to start the second half against the Magic and then went right to Chicago. So definitely been an interesting stretch here. Uh, just, you know, obviously with the shortened season, we're, we're packing in games. Yeah, what does that travel schedule look like? It is. It seems like so much to pack in 24, 48 hours. Like you said, last week you guys played in Miami against Orlando, and then the following night you're playing in Chicago. And now we're recording this Wednesday. So last night you guys played in Miami um, against Cleveland, and now you're playing tonight in Memphis. Yeah, well, you know, every team um, has stretches like this. Ours just happens to be right here when we get back from break. In actuality, uh, you know, we only have 36 games in the second half, and there are a handful of of teams that have a lot more than that. Um, I think guys, teams that have missed games on the front half now have to make up, so their their schedule is even crazier. Uh, right now, it definitely is is a stretch where, you know, we got games pretty much just stacked up on top of each other. We play every other night with some back uh, back to backs mixed in there, so um, it's, you know, it's a great challenge. Obviously, you know, the the depth will certainly be tested, and that particularly, you know, some, some older guys, you know, we had a couple guys not make the trip for this one. Um, and it's an opportunity for younger guys to, to step up for sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I have a quick theory I want to run by you. So we're talking about these home and away games. I think you might be part of the Miami heat team that's dealing with the most or the biggest home court disadvantage in the history of the franchise, which is that players in Miami can't go out. It's very true. That ha- that has to be a massive disadvantage for you guys. You guys are notoriously a good home court team. Last year, I, I looked at this up. You guys were twenty nine and seven at home last year. One of the best home records in the NBA. This year, it's not as good. I know we've had some some COVID protocol, some injury, but I think another factor is that opposing teams aren't able to you know hit the hit the town before the game. I think it's a, a valid point that you bring to the table. I think that there are other variables at play here as well. I think us not being a, at full strength for majority of the season would probably be the biggest one in that a lot of those games that we dropped at home were early on uh, where we had no fans also. So that's another variable. So I think True. when you, you mix all three of those together, because I, I will say, and, and I'll, I'll be open about this, I think this is pretty much public knowledge in that when – teams come to Miami, particularly pre-COVID, they're going to at least go out to dinner. You know, what <laughs> what what that looks like afterwards, I, you know, I'm not sure. It's kind of a don't ask, don't tell type of situation. I've never been in that situation because I've only played in Miami. Uh, but with that being said, last year, I do remember a handful of games, not going to name any names, call anybody out, but 
you know, maybe some guys not not at, at full strength um, after after a fun night uh, in in the Magic City. And can you blame them? I mean, imagine it's mid February. You're in Detroit for right. you know, most of the year, and then all of a sudden you're in South Beach. You know, what do you you know? You're not going to sit in your hotel. Yeah, and that's not to say that people are just like out partying and doing crazy stuff, um, but more so, like I said, I, I think the majority of it, the vast majority of it, is that. Oftentimes when teams come to Miami, they do like a fun team dinner somewhere on the beach, somewhere nice. Uh, you know, like you said, if, if, if it's all winter long and you're in, you know, a northeast or, or a northern city, it's nice to just be someplace where, you know, you can get a little sun. And you're just at this point, you know, you you Miami uh, uh, natives, not natives, but you you guys that are living in Locals. Miami. Are, I'm a local. I'm a local, Miami sure. local. I'm you guys sure. are just it's, you know, you're you're numb to it all now. I don't know about numb to it. I I certainly I never want to get to the point where I take it for granted because one of my favorite things, and I, I'm a guy who grew up in the Northeast, um, and I, and I love the Northeast, very fond of that that part of the country, but I will say I severely underestimated how awesome it is to wake up pretty much every day and have it be 75 plus and sunny and see the water. Though what those what those two things do for your mental cannot be exaggerated it just can't be talked about enough like it's 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 totally been a game changer for sure no i i will say i growing up in kansas city i am about as far from water as you can get unless you're talking like a a river or a lake uh but going out to school in new england i came across a, a lot of folk like you who said i could never live anywhere away from an ocean and then i spent three and a half years in la and i get it now that there's yeah. something calming about being by water there absolutely is. Um, we can we can move forward here uh, as much as I'm enjoying this this conversation. Let's let's talk a little March Madness. Uh, obviously, it's it's you know basketball's favorite time of the year, particularly college basketball fans. Uh, really, the whole world, more than just college basketball fans, is on the tournament. Uh, everyone's watching the tournament. You know. Of course, you have people, um, you know, skipping work or what have you. I'm a firm believer that the first two days of the NCAA tournament should be a national holiday. Agreed. Uh, totally agreed. I, I think that maybe we should start a grassroots campaign uh, that is born through this episode, maybe, um, to make this these first two days a national holiday, uh, just because it's just high quality content that I think everybody can get behind. Yeah, it's two of the best days in sports. Uh, I think Friday, Saturday, right? The first two days, the first round of the tournament basketball all day you're inevitably going to have some upsets it's just you know some buzzer beaters it's just the best i'm curious dunk do you have uh some brackets you filled out do you have some picks i assume you're rolling with michigan but can we get maybe like a final four prediction from you sure um absolutely uh go blue through and through uh, the wolverines are, are going to handle business I'm, I'm very confident of that so i got them going all the way i got i got to think this is off off cuff here i got usc i believe coming out of that that top left region Whoa. um i have michigan out of the bottom left top right i believe i have baylor and then i have uh oklahoma state if that makes sense maybe that doesn't even make sense no you um, don't that's that's spot on actually is that is that right um that yeah pretty so good. that's that's me going off of memory but that feels right something about that felt right i don't know why it sounded right when you said it it sounded right i actually agree with some of your picks i think you have to go with gonzaga i think they're the best team in the country along with baylor 
I think I think Gonzaga is the best team in the country. I, I uh, sorry, second best team in the country. I think Michigan's the best team in the country. <laughs> I think Gonzaga is really, really good. I think that the fact that they just don't play in a lot of close games hurts them. And every year, I feel like, oh, this Gonzaga team is the best Gonzaga team they've had yet. And this one that you could probably make a case that it actually is. With that being said. I still think that you have to play in close games. You have to play in games where shots aren't falling and you still find a way to win. And they've done that, granted, to their credit all year. I just don't think – I don't see them running the table um, personally. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, of Mark Few. I'm a fan of a lot of their players. I think they have really good players. But, you know, I, I, I just – I'm not seeing it this year. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I think they get to the Final Four. I don't think they win a national championship. I'm going Gonzaga, Texas – Baylor, Oklahoma State. So I'm a little bit of a Big 12 homer, but that's my final four, and I think Baylor wins it all. I think they're the best team in the country. Uh, I'm okay with that. Um, I also wanted to take a second and kind of tease that we have a Top Shot giveaway Whoa. in the works. Whoa. Which I think has a chance to be pretty exciting stuff. Obviously, Top Shot is seemingly taking the world not just the basketball community, the world by storm. And we have some exciting things on the horizon and that we're going to be able to give away some moments to some listeners, some viewers, uh, and some subscribers. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we're, we're really excited about that. And we're just going to continue to, to keep you guys updated on, on what we got coming your way. Yeah. There were two pack drops yesterday that I tried to get in on. And both times I was uh, behind about 100,000 people in line. So I know firsthand how difficult it can be to get your hands on some of these things. So yeah, very excited that we can potentially give you guys, the listeners, access to some stuff. Uh, like Duncan well, said, still in the works. Well, Dave, it's it's not all that difficult, actually. All you have to do is just tune into the long shot. And, oh, and you get and you get some top shot moments potentially coming your way. <laughs> how about that? A little, Yeah, a little added incentive. Um, hey, before we get to our segments, I also wanted to quickly just give you some love, give you your flowers while we're here. I tried to do this a couple of weeks ago and you deflected, but it is now official. Team USA has announced their pool of finalists for the upcoming Olympics, the Summer Olympics. 57 guys in the NBA who are part of that final pool, of which Duncan Robinson is a part of. Yeah, you know, it's it's... It's pretty humbling. Um, truthfully, at this point, I, I don't really know what it means fully. It means I'm just kind of a part of this player pool, uh, obviously a, a training camp. And uh, of course, from there, it's just going to continue to get cut down more and more. But even to just get to this stage uh, is it, pretty crazy, just considering you know the prestigious honor that it is to be included at all uh, in USA basketball. The one potential downside that I really look at when I think about this is that if by some crazy circumstance I do end up in the Olympics, I would likely be missing your wedding this summer. That is true, but it would be an honor, uh, let me tell you, for you to not be there because you're in the Olympics. That would be, I think that would be better than you standing by my side. I think that this also provides us an opportunity to bring some clarity. Uh, Davis is engaged to be married to true. the love of his life. He was supposed to be married August of 2020. Obviously, COVID had other plans. It's now been pushed to August of 2021. I have the distinct honor of being in the wedding, which I'm incredibly excited about uh, and, and look forward to. So, 
you know, I, I kind of view it as a as a win win. If I'm not involved in the Olympics, guess what? I get to be by by my one of my best friend's side uh, as he's walking down the aisle. And if I do get involved in the Olympics, then I get to represent my country at the highest stage. One seems like a little bit more of a win than the other. Honestly, they're right there. They're neck and neck. They really are. I mean that. I mean that truthfully. Uh, well, I appreciate that. No, yeah, no. Look again for you to not be there because you're in the Olympics would be. A, a true honor. So, you know, I, I almost hope that it happens. I can find a fill in. I mean, I, that is borderline disrespectful just to <laughs> fill in. I don't, I don't think I'm just somebody that, you know, if it's not there that you can just fill in, but, uh, regardless, we, we can push forward. Uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, you're right. All right, let's get to the Reddit question of the week. Actually this week, I want to do something a little bit different because we did our mailbag last week. We've got a whole slew of great questions that we didn't get a chance to get to. So instead of uh, going into Reddit posts to find a Reddit question of the week, I'm just dipping back into the mailbag. Mm. And so this question comes from Will Moxon on Twitter, actually. And he asks you, Dunk, who is the hardest for you to guard and who is the hardest to guard you? Uh, it's, a, it's a quality question that I, I get quite a bit. I would say in terms of hardest to guard... I, I think James Harden has to be up there uh, for a variety of reasons. One, just because how he plays, you know, he's he. You might see him take ten, twelve, fifteen, maybe even dribbles on a given possession. So if he has a matchup that he likes, uh, which is you know most matchups are, are favorable for him, given how you know offensively gifted he is, he's going to draw you out and take his time um, and, and really keep you on that island. So I would say James Harden is up there. And then obviously just the firepower right now around him is that it's not like you can really load up to the ball uh, because then you're taking bodies off of you know Kyrie or, or Durant. So uh, I, I would probably say he is up there for sure. His combination of skill, um, strength, he's incredibly strong. I don't think a lot of people realize that. But uh, in terms of you know hardest person um, that I've had guard me, that's an interesting one. Um, I guess this is a little bit of an opportunity to give some love to a former teammate of mine. Uh, Derek Jones actually would, would do would do a really good job of guarding me in practice. Um, I would never admit it. So Derek, I'm I'm now I'm now finally giving you some recognition and the credit that you deserve. But uh, DJ is unique in that he is incredibly long. You know, he's six seven. Uh, he has a crazy wingspan. He's ridiculously athletic, as everyone sees, um, but he's also, he can move. He has like the dexterity to navigate screens and uh, get to contests, whereas if you're smaller, it's it's harder because for you to, to guard me just because I, it's harder for you to get to a contest, whereas DJ has the athleticism um, and the length to really bother shot attempts. Is there also an angle of him knowing the play calls? For sure. I mean, especially in, in practice. practice, it's like, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We, we haven't played them yet this year. Uh, that'll be interesting. I don't, I, I don't even know if he'll actually guard me. Um, very good chance that he ends up matching up with Jimmy or something like that. After because, hearing this, they might put him on you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, but there's a good chance he'll probably end up guarding Jimmy or something like that. But, um, yeah, in practice, obviously it's a huge advantage when we make a play call and you know exactly what's going <laughs> All right. What about a uh, easiest guy that guards you? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna stay stay away from that. Probably Come Mo on, Wagner. We're... Probably Mo Wagner. Good. There we go. Me. See, we're trying to be the number um, one podcast in America. Let's some, talk some shit. Some combination of Mo Wagner, DJ Wilson, Karis LeVert, 
uh, Tim Hardaway, you know, just all those guys. Yeah. All those, yeah. All those Michigan cones, guys. They just all cones. Me. And they know that. Just kidding, kind of. We got our long shot feature. Um, this is a, a special one uh, just because it's March. You know, we're, we're staying in the theme of college basketball. Uh, we got our guy, Jason Preston, which if you haven't heard his story, he has a special one. Uh, he was raised by a single mother uh, in Orlando, the, the great state of Florida. Um, his mother actually passed of, of lung, lung cancer tragically when Jason was just 15 years old. And as a result, uh, his aunt, who was living in Jamaica, had to come and be his legal guardian. Uh, once again, living in Orlando, Jason was a six foot, 140 pound senior in high school and was averaging just two points a game. And it was after this season, his senior season, that he had an opportunity to play in an AAU event. He was already enrolled to go to UCF as just a regular student. Uh, didn't, you know, of course, probably had the basketball dream, but didn't really have any real opportunities to really pursue it. But that summer, after playing in the AAU event, he had the opportunity to play in a prep school, do a fifth year of high school. And it, this is where everything started to change. Uh, went, went to play at the prep school, bounced around from the, the first team to the, the fourth team and everywhere in between, and just started really to develop as a prospect. Um, and from there, he earns a scholarship to play at Ohio University. And he's been killing pretty much ever since. He's had an incredible year. Uh, he's really put I mean, Ohio's always had a, a solid program, but he's he's put them on the map and uh, that now they're in the, the NCAA tournament. And now he's 6'4", 190 pounds. He's averaging 16, 8, and 7, which is, you know, kind of a, a fill the stat sheet type of a guard. And he's starting to get on some some NBA radar, starting to build some traction um, with NBA teams. So pretty incredible story um just just hearing him speak and listening to some of his interviews and just hearing his perspective um i think is something that a lot of people um can can tap value into for sure yeah it's pretty wild i mean after his senior year of high school he's enrolled to go to ucf just as a student yeah. figured basketball was done and then got asked to play that summer and it turned into all this and you're like you said on some nba radars now uh we, you know, with March Madness starting this weekend, they're a 13 seed, I think, Ohio. Mm -hmm. But they had they took Illinois down to the wire earlier this year. Yeah. They could make a run, and he's a big reason why. I also want. I, I forgot a, a part of his story where he actually posted a highlight tape of himself on his Twitter. Yeah, that's which, right. Which ultimately ended up building the traction of getting the offers um, and starting to get some notoriety. So uh, believe in yourself, people. You know. Uh, people people aren't just gonna come around calling all the time you gotta you gotta promote yourself recruit yourself a little bit um and and thankfully he did and, and obviously he's been a, a huge difference maker for them this year and i hope they can make a run i'm certainly rooting for him i love it i think in his spirit we're, we're gonna create a uh let's let's try to do a podcast highlight tape we'll see if it can go viral on twitter get but. us to the league yeah, we shall see. Um, all right, well, that that's pretty much it for the front of show. Uh, we got a great, great conversation with Tyler, uh, which I think you guys would really enjoy. If you had to describe it in one word, ooh, I got I got moxie. Uh, nice little nice little SAT vocab word for the kids at home there. Um, but yeah, Tyler certainly uh, plays with a lot of moxie, has a lot of moxie. Uh, I just I, the conversation had some moxie to it. Uh, I, I think you guys will enjoy it. It's spot on, but it sounds like you kind of just wanted to flex your vocabulary there. 
a little bit of both. Um, all right. Well, here's Tyler. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Here with SEC All-Freshman Team, SEC Newcomer of the Year, second team All-SEC, probably should have been first. NBA All-Rookie second team, definitely should have been first. Uh, of course, Miami Heat legend, known to many as the baby goat, boy wonder, whatever you want to call him. Tyler, <laughs> appreciate you coming on, bro. Thank you very much for joining us. For sure. Thanks for having me. No, of course. Uh, I Actually, I want to bring it back here for a second for the listeners uh, to when I first met you, which was Summer League. Obviously, at that point, uh, you know, the, your reputation preceded you a little bit. I, already, I, knew, I knew who you were, of course, seen you play a bunch, but hadn't met you. And yeah. uh, we're gearing up to play Summer League. And Eric Glass, who's a, you know, works on staff with Miami Heat, he was the, the Summer League head coach, comes up to me and goes, because uh, how the Summer League in, in Sacramento was structured is you play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And he yeah. goes, look, you know, I don't want Tyler to play any back-to-backs. So, you know, he's already going to have a bunch coming at him. Like, it's going to be hard for him to pick up the speed of the game, all this stuff. Like, I want Tyler to play Monday, Wednesday, and I want you to play Monday, Tuesday because I want you guys to play together, but I want to stagger it. Yeah. Of course, like six minutes into the first game, it's like very clear that it's just not too much for you at all. Like, the, <laughs> like you're not sped up at all. You're like playing under control. You're making shots. You're setting up other people. Like looking back, what do you remember about that first professional experience that like really sticks out to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I re- obviously, like you said, just coming into summer league, you don't, you know, know what to expect. You know, it's a jump from college to um, summer league then to the league. And I was just, just didn't know what to expect, you know, like going in, I'm like, well, am I going to be sped up? You know, do I have to perform and really show people, you know, I am a lottery pick. But, you know, I just really went out there and kind of just, you know, let the game come to me. And like you said, it kind of just flowed and, and went and went how it was supposed to. Yeah, I mean, it's it was clear right away that, that stuff wasn't going to be an issue, at least like in in the summer league level. But then, of course, it, it ramps up even more. But yo, it, it, it's crazy to me to look back at like us, us two, K nine hooping, and like we're, we're trying to win summer league games. Summer league, and, yeah. <laughs> and then and then fast forward a couple months, and we're like all out there trying to win playoff games. <laughs> yeah, all three of us like really heavily in the rotation. Like it's crazy, and it 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 happens so fast. Like that blur for you, is it just like you just taking it as it comes, like one step at a time, or is it? Are there moments in the playoffs when you look back and like, damn, that was like a year ago. I, I was getting drafted and I was playing summer league, and now yeah. I'm 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 trying to have the the Miami Heat advance. Yeah, uh, it was just trying to embrace the you know the moment. Like you said, it just happened so quick and. And, you know, for me, just jumping even from, like, high school to, to college, to college, to the league, it was all it happened so fast. So, for me, it was just embracing everything and, and really just letting it all and taking it all in at once. You know, it, like you said, it does happen happen so fast. And, you know, we're still taking it in as, as we go today. I think it's so funny, Tyler, because, like you said, within a two-year span, you went from – high school to playing in the NBA finals. Whereas like Duncan is the opposite, right? He did like five years of high school, (laughs) five years of college, 
guy feels like he's been in the NBA now for five years. <laughs> right. uh, but you guys were both referred to as rookies last season, but just the, right. the you know, the differences in where you're at in your careers. I'm curious, uh, Dunk, you said in that summer league, Tyler's reputation was preceding himself. What were Tyler this is for both of you? What were you guys like early perceptions of each other? Tyler, do you remember like playing in that summer league with Dunk, what your first perceptions of him were? Yeah, I mean, I really didn't know. Like, you know, I know Duncan, he played at Michigan and everything like that, but I didn't I didn't know, to be honest, like how good of a shooter he really is. Like until you go out there and you practice with him and shoot with him every day, it's like, yo, this dude has a real life clip. Like every single day, every shot he shoots, you think it's going in. Like one of them. Is, so it's just like, and then we got to know each other at, at a personal level. And that was, you know, I see him working out every day and, and just continuing to put that work in. So. And it's just, it's amazing to see, like you said, you know, he, he did five years in, in high school or college, whatever. And I did too, but it, you know, everyone has their own, own path. And I always tell people that, you know, so it's, it's, it's awesome to see, you know, everyone has their own different path and, and it all ends up working out. I, I appreciate you putting that out how you did. Cause you easily could have said that I just didn't have a reputation at that point, <laughs> <laughs> which, which I definitely didn't. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, of Tyler coming in, like, obviously, like, I remember draft night, right? Like, yeah, you know, I'm sitting there waiting, waiting to see who the Heat are going to draft. And then it's like, you know, they're talking about it afterwards. Like, what does he bring to the Heat? Oh, the Heat really needs shooting. The Heat really needs this. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like sitting on my couch, like, I'm like, damn, like, it's like that. Like, but I mean, of course, so like early on, and and obviously we're both competitive people, um, So there's like that that I don't want to say like chip, but like there's something there where it's like no, like I'm I'm trying to uh, you know in every shooting drill, like I'm trying to win that the same way I I knew you were trying to do the exact same thing. Right. Um, yeah. But then I think I think for me where it like really started to shift was like you moved past summer league, and then when you got to Miami, bro, like I just had so much admiration and respect for the way that you would show up and work, like. Yeah every every single day and it yeah. got to the point where like you know between the three of us me me you and Nun, like we're just in there every day where like it almost felt like then it became like all right like now we're just the young guys and we're all trying to come in here and yeah. like make noise like we're, we're trying to prove ourselves in this league none of us exactly. had done anything in the league um right. but it's just crazy to think like just the the little shift of like it's only a month right you know you're in summer league and then and then you end up in the preseason but so much had changed in that in that short stretch for sure yeah for sure no doubt it's like jumping from you know we're the them guys on on the summer league team you know we get all the shots you know we can shoot whatever shot we want and then you know you get to the to the you know the big you know the actual team and it's like you know now like you said we're here to prove ourselves and really you know make a name for ourselves in the league so it was just crazy. Like you said, we were just working every single day. We were coming in at six in the morning for, for, for a month or two there. And it was, it was good. I love those times though. Well, that, that was funny in that obviously like, like Jimmy's 4am workouts get, get yeah. reported and, and picked up by, you know, the, the different media outlets, but like a lot of it started in that, like I, I found out you were coming in at 6am and I was yeah. like, I was like, hold on, like, 
like he's not gonna get working while I'm sleeping. Like, no. Nah. Like, I'm like, so then I would I would start to ask you. I'd be like, T, you going in the morning? You'd be like, Yeah, man. And you were you were like trying to be weird, but I was like, Yeah, bro, like come through. So then I would I would be there at at six a.m. And then we had a little crew at six a.m. And then yeah. of course Jimmy finds out and he wants to be like already done in full sweat with his workout by the time at we get 6 there. He pulls up at four thirty, full sweat when we walk in the gym, like. Uh, he, yeah. he got his beat. <laughs> he did. He he always got to like you know one up everybody else. But I respect it. I mean, it's it's that like collective competitiveness that I feel like has makes us all like a fit for yeah, for the yeah, organization. That's, and that's what they said. You know that chip on our shoulder throughout the playoffs last year is that's exactly it right there. Like like you said, you seen me because that was exactly how I was in college. Like if I seen a teammate going to the gym, I'm like, no, nah, I'm going too. There's no way he's going to be getting at work without me, like sitting in the dorm room. That's not happening. So, I mean, that's, that, that's why what makes us you know, special, like you said, as a team. What's it like uh, for the two of you playing with each other? You know, you Miami fans have coined you guys as the Splash Bros 2.0, which I'm all here for, by the way. But we're, we're recording this. Uh, you guys played Orlando. You guys beat Orlando last night. And there was a point in the second quarter where I think the two of you, between the two of you, you hit four threes in a row and four straight possessions. And so it is like there are these flashes where you guys obviously are two elite shooters. What's it like playing off each other's momentum, feeding off each other's momentum, just being in the backcourt uh, together? Yeah, for me, uh, I would just say like, you know, I love seeing like shooters, especially like Dunn. You know, I've never really played with a shooter that I can say like, yo, he's, he shoots better than me, you know, just as good as me or better. So it's like, I love seeing Dunk come off them screens and just like you said, you can he can run them off like like the Splash Bros, you know, did and, and they and they still are. But it's just it's crazy. So I mean, I love playing with Dunk and, and just getting him involved, and I love love seeing him, you know, hit threes. I mean, first off, Dave, I, I appreciate you not mentioning the point in the game where I I missed five straight um, early in the game. But uh, <laughs> you know, I I think that you know Tyler. I think there's like a propensity to put people in a box too, like like Tyler and I in the same box, especially if you don't necessarily like watch us. Like Tyler and I are, are very different players too. Um, like Tyler has an ability to create and has like a feel and a vision. Uh, and he's just so like he's – speak on like he's so much better with the ball in his hand. So uh, his ability to play on the ball and my – I guess like comfortability with just being off the ball. Like I'm cool. Like, you know, I'll, I'll play off of him. Um, but I will say like seeing th there's definitely like a, a compounding effect of like, you know, you hit a couple and then even for me, sometimes it starts to feel like the, the rim's getting a little bigger just because yeah, I right. see, I, I see you start to make them. Um, and you get that confidence where like, if you start rattling them off, it can be like debilitating for teams and defenses of like, damn, like, this dude just hit two. This dude just hit two. And we have, obviously, of course, more than just us two that can can go yeah, and make them. No um, but, yeah, I, I actually – I, I want to talk a little bit about your development as a as a player in terms of a lot of people thought coming in that, that that's just what you were, that you were, like, going to come off pin downs and, and do that sort of thing, which you do and are capable of doing. But I think people have quickly realized how much more to your game that you have – uh, have, have you like, has it been a conscious effort to like break down that stereotype of like, I'm just a catch and shoot player or has it just like, do you feel that you've always had this ability and that now people are just really getting to notice it? Yeah. Uh, I, I would say like, I think people are just starting to notice it. You know, I think growing up and like 
I've never been, I've never came off like a pin down and, and like catch and shoot off a pin down or off a wide or something like that. Like that's never really been my, my game. Like at Kentucky, I come off a pin down and I'm usually, like you said, I'm first to put it on the floor and put it, you know, something like that. So I think where, where really my development has helped in that is, I think you've really helped in that too, just where I can, you know, study you and study your footwork and how you get your hands and everything ready coming off the, off the catch and shoots. So, I mean, you know, I think, I think for sure I had to, had to break that, you know, he's just a shooter, just a catch and shoot player. But, you know, I feel like every time I'm on, on a big stage, I can, I can, you know, try to show people that I have more to my game than just catching and shooting. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you watch the high school mixtapes, obviously like you have the ball in your hands, not like you're yeah, creating. Right. And then of course, yeah. you know, people like people are going to, the talking heads or whatever are going to say like, all right, but that's, you know, playing against high school kids in Wisconsin. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to be able to do that at Kentucky, but you do a lot of, you did a lot of those same things at Kentucky. And then yeah. once again, the same thing gets said, like, all right, but he's not – he's a catch-and-shoot player at the next in level. The like, yeah. he's providing spacing in the league. And then once again, it becomes like, no. Like, so it, yeah. it, it, for you, is that like – is it just annoying to like just keep hearing that or is it just like, you know what, man, just keep adding it to the chip? Like, I'm, I'm – Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that, that motivates me, you know. Because like, like you said, every level – so they always – and I'm sure they say the same about you. You know, you're not going to be able to get your shot off or something like that at the next level. But – I think that's where that competitive spirit comes in to just continue to prove people wrong and, you know, whatever, whatever they say, or they may say, you know, like you won't be able to do it at the next level. That, that just, like you said, adds to the chip and adds to the, to the fire. So just coming in year in and year out, you try to add something new and, and, you know, really just try to improve your game. Just to, to piggyback off of that. And like, I, I want to try to get specific in terms of like this off season, I know, I know this past off season was was kind of a weird one, just because obviously we had the time before the bubble, um, and then like a brief time after it. But I guess we'll, we'll say this moving forward to like this upcoming off season, is there something that you like one one thing, one tangible thing that like you know what man, like I, I see so and so do this, and like I want to add this or, or I want to have this, uh, or or do you not necessarily necessarily even think about it? You just locked in on the year right now. I'm definitely already thinking about the offseason, you know, just because as players, we know where we're struggling at, the, you know, more than anybody. You know, we know where our weaknesses are. You know, we, we know when we're, we're feeling uncomfortable in certain, in certain situations. So so I'm definitely, you know, I jot notes down and, and, you know, just try to add to my notebook on what I want to work on come summertime. So for me right now, I want to figure out really how to draw fouls, you know, where where you can get to the free throw line and whether it's off the dribble or even just getting guys in the air and, and throwing your body into them and, and walking to the line. Cause I think, you know, the points points per game can really go up for, for anybody just by getting to the free throw line, you know, guys walk so a lot of, a lot of the elite scores walk into the game with already like Jimmy 10 free throws. So he started with 10 points. So it's not, it's crazy. He's really bro. getting 17, but then the 10 free throws that adds to 27 every time. <laughs> It, it's actually crazy like and obviously all like all the great scorers like you said like that's a natural step but there's also like you you see people add that to their game i, I think that's yeah. a great one because like it's exactly that it's just something that you need to be like more intentional about i exactly. think about it for myself all the time it's like 
I have all these opportunities to get guys in the air because people yeah. are jumping at shot fakes. But like, I just don't have that muscle yet of yeah, like, it really is a muscle. You have to yeah. really work it. And, and I, I don't know what it, what muscle, how you work it, but you know, you just really, like you say, you just have to be intentional about it and, and really focus on it. Yeah. Now that, that takes everything. Even if it's like, two more trips to the free throw line right like you go from averaging 17 to 21 which is like being obviously a, a really good player to like damn borderline all-star like it's like incremental but it, it moves the needle for sure exactly. just little stuff like that yeah no doubt i want to ask about uh, we talked about high school briefly I want to just take it back real quick. We, we can keep it brief. We don't need to spend too much time on this. Uh, but I remember talking to you last year, talking about when you decommitted from Wisconsin and how you like you're getting death threats and like crazy stuff. You know, your house is getting egged, like whatever, all sorts of crazy stuff. We don't need to like get too much into that. But do you ever think about like how how differently does everything look right now? if you go to if you end up on campus at madison i was literally talking about that last night like it comes up with my boys like back from back home all the time because it's like you really never know um but just like i said i've never been a player that that comes off pin downs and plays in like a structured super structured like swing offense and i think right. that's that's where i would be at so i mean I would I would say my like I said I'm competitive so I'll be able to to adapt but at the same time it's like I, that's not where I would probably fit best so I'm sure it look it would look completely different right now I might be getting ready for my senior year <laughs> I mean I, I I think that like you have an ability obviously in and like I referenced earlier like you put in the work so I don't I don't yeah. necessarily think that it's a guarantee that you'd like still be in college or anything but it is it is crazy. And I, I can only imagine you've seen this too of like how important in basketball situation and opportunity is. Whereas oh, yeah, like no you might've had all the ability in the world playing for, for Greg guard, but like he might not have just ever given you that opportunity to really be who you are. Exactly. Whereas like you go to Kentucky and I mean, from everything I've heard and tell me if I'm wrong, like coach Cal is enabling you guys to like be yourself, like go be aggressive, like be who you are. Exactly. Yeah, I think I tell I tell even my little brothers that all the time. You know, it's all about opportunity and even guys, young guys who who are already getting ready to commit. If they ask me, I always tell them, you know, don't really pick what what the name says on the front of the jersey because at the end of the day, it's about what coach is really going to embrace you at that campus and give you the opportunity. And and really, you and the and the assistant or head coach have to be on the same page of you know what your goals are and. And if that's getting to the NBA, then, you know, then make sure that the coach knows that. Before you got to Kentucky, was it, was it one and done? Like, was that like, obviously it's a goal to, to have the opportunity to leave, but like, were, were you like locked in? Like, man, this can be my one and only year. No, I honestly coming in, I was like, I'll probably be here for two years. Like come in I don't know what I'm gonna do my freshman year we my freshman year or my year that I was there at the beginning of the season we were really guard heavy like I was we had a, two sophomores returning and they were both guards and then you know my class coming in had three or four guards so that's we had like five or six guards on the roster and I was like I'm the lowest recruited 
you know, guy coming in, there's no chance I'm going to, you know, play. And then I ended up starting. So that's the opportunity that we're talking about. You know, if I don't get that opportunity to, to really go out there and, and prove, prove myself, I might be there for two or three years. How much do you think the, your ability to make shots consistently was the separator of getting you on the floor? Yeah, I think that that was probably it, you know? Like it, right? I feel like every year at Kentucky, the guy that can really, you know, run off those, you know, curl plays and, you know, can really put the ball in the basket, that's the guy that they really run through. And by the end of the year, they were running everything through me. So I would yeah, definitely but- say it has to do with, you know, my ability to, to put it in the basket. I mean, it's it's – like you said, like Jamal Murray, Malik Monk, and then and then it was you. Um, it's it's crazy though, man. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm a little biased because obviously that that's what I do is shoot. But like, it's crazy how people get caught up in like like there's always gonna be a role for somebody that can make shots at a high level. Like, no doubt, <laughs> it's 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 honestly the ultimate separator because like every everybody can kind of shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you hoop and you and you play at a high level, like everybody can kind of shoot. But yeah. if you do if you do it to a, a point where it's like, damn, that guy can really shoot. Yeah. It's just like the ultimate separator. Obviously, like I said, I'm I'm biased. <laughs> I'm sure you are too, but that's how I feel. No, it is. And I remember growing up, like I told someone, you know, my dreams should be getting the NBA, and they're like, "Well, you can do it if you can really do one thing really well and master what you do." And it was like for me, it was obviously shooting, as as you can can relate. So it's like, yeah, if you can really shoot the ball, you'll be you'll have a job for a while because. Every team needs someone that can, you know, space the floor. I want to uh, get to this year uh, in Miami for both you guys. How different is the locker room today than it was like two months ago? Because two months ago, you guys are COVID protocol, injury ridden, under 500, and now you're healthy. You guys are rolling a little bit. I assume it is a a drastic difference being uh, being around the guys. Oh, yeah, it's it's completely different. I mean, I didn't think I told Dunk that. Um, forgot it. it was after a game. We were walking back. because We have two separate locker rooms now because of COVID. So, you know, the younger guys are in, in another locker room. And I remember going back. I'm like, yeah, just imagine where we were. Like, I think it was like two weeks ago. We had lost to Charlotte. Everyone was throwing shit around. It was, it was crazy. And then we ended up winning a couple of games and everyone's back, you know, temperatures calm. But, I mean – and I think that's how it should be, especially especially with you know the expectations that we had coming into the year. You know, we we expected to be good and expected to win. So, you know, I, I expected you know if we lose, then people should be upset because that's not that's not who we are. The the last thing you want is to be in a place where you know you start seven and thirteen and people are just cool with it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I I think everyone's looking around and like everyone's pulling their hair out and everyone's pissed off, but it's like shit we're all we're all pissed off together like we're all in this together and and that's what drives like solutions in that in that obviously you know we get healthy we get some pieces back and we start to figure some things out but like i think that's part of what makes i don't i'm not trying to be like corny or cliche but like it's kind of what makes you know miami kind of who we are really in that like we can go to that place and not let it get totally like detrimental and destructive and that we can bounce back and like figure some things out, find solutions and and move forward. Yeah. I, I, yeah, totally. Cause I think, 
Like we were seven and thirteen, but I think deep down everyone had that thing. Like, yo, we we're gonna turn this around. We're not we're not going the whole year and ending up fifteen and sixty or some shit like that. Like, we're not doing that. <laughs> and then Tyler, for you specifically, or you individually your years looked a little different too. Like there have been spurts where you're starting, there are now spurts where you're coming off the bench, but Spo's yeah. been very open that it's, you know, it's not about who's starting, it's about who's closing games. You're still closing games and you're playing starter minutes. But yeah. how does your approach change whether it's one or the two, whether you're starting or coming off the bench? Yeah, um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was hard at first, you know, to be able to, you know, start, you know, everyone wants to start and then, and then get moved to the bench. It was... It was a lot mentally at first, but I, I, you know, just try to do as best for the team. And I feel like, like you said, you know, I, I do finish games and, um, you know, I just got to continue to produce in the fourth quarter so that I, I can finish games. But it's it's a it's a trust thing, I think, to be able to finish games and, and be out there when the game's on the line. Uh, I, I want to go back to just kind of like the, the Miami Heat in general. And for you, what were – like your early impressions of, you know, what, like quote unquote heat culture, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like, is there something that really stuck out to you early on? Um, I think, and when you say early on, I take it back like all the way to summer league, like that first day when we were there in, in SAC, it was like, you felt the heat culture, you know, we walked in and did two days for the training camp and, you know, I'm talking some slides, you know, yeah. that <laughs> we're doing shell drill and everything. Like, and I'm talking to my other, you know, the other rookies in the league and they're like, yeah, we're not doing two a days and stuff like that. But I mean, at Kentucky, that's what we were, you know, we did two a days, sometimes three days over, over Christmas break. So it was like, you know, this is what I want, especially young, a young guy coming into the league. You know, you, you want to come in and learn as much as possible and, and really work hard. So, you know, it's, culture is what it is but you know we embrace it tyler you talked about your uh ability to to close games and the faith that the coaching staff has in you to close games from the outside like you guys were talking about right like if you can do one thing well and for both of you it's shooting from the outside it seems like another one of your best value or best skills is just your ability to rise in big moments and big occasions like you're not shying away from any moment is there anything you attribute that to? Like, is that something, you know, that's obviously something you develop, but where does that confidence come from? Uh, I think just the work, you know, the work we put in, work I put in every day and, and just the focus it takes, you know. And honestly, I've been, I've been seriously, I, I'm not kidding. You, I've been hitting big shots, like, since I was, like, since I started hooping, like, middle school. Like, I've always wanted to take the big shot, like. I don't know. It's just something that I've, that I've grown up with, I guess. Like, I, I seriously used to – I just take big shots. I like it. <laughs> I, I, I think it's like to, – to go off of this, like, obviously – like, you check the box of the work, but, like, other people check that box too. And, and yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that <laughs> lights come on, games winding down, that you're built for that. And right. so, I like I, – I, I think, like – Cause I want to make a distinction too. Like there are irrational confidence guys that like, you know, whatever, don't give a fuck. Like they, they don't yeah. even feel pressure. Like it doesn't even exist to them. And I'm not yeah. saying you're in that camp either because I, I, I think it's like from what I've seen and obviously like I want to hear you speak to it, but 
it's like this combination of the two, right? In that like, you know, you're prepared for opportunities, but like, you also have something where like, I'm, I'm just built for this. Like, this is what I do. Like, I see, I see it when the games come to the, come down to the end. Like, you, you relish those opportunities in those moments. Yeah. No, honestly, I want like I, I want to shoot the last shot. I want to shoot every, every big shot. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I agree. You know, everyone does put in the work, but like you said, it doesn't make you built for that moment. You know, I think, like I said, I've been, I've been taking them big shots since I was real young and I, and it just carried with me and, like when the when the game's winding down, I kind of do this. Like I love to just prove, like yeah, I can make this this shot. I feel it's fun, it's enjoyable for real. Yeah. Um, real quick, I got like two more things for you, then I'll I'll, I'll let you go. Um, but I want to ask a little bit about just like your your rise to honestly like celebrity status in that <laughs> I know we've talked about like on the court how you know you go from playing against high schoolers in Wisconsin to you know playing LeBron in the finals but like the off the court that that transition has got to be just as crazy like I you know you and I were talking at, at one point and you were like man like I I can't even, I can't go shopping. Like, like what, are, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I'm talking about like, yeah, I'm about to go shop, do this thing. You're like, bro, like what is shopping in public? Like, I can't do that anymore. Like I got a whole, I got a whole crew of people behind me if I go and do that. So like, I'm like kidding a little bit, but like with that being said, like you're, you're a different tier in Miami. Like I'll, I'll just call it what it is. How has that been, that adjustment been? Yeah, um, you. I just try to stick to who I am. Like I feel like, you know, I, I've, I grew up as a regular, regular ass kid. You know, I'm still 21. I'm, I'm normal to everybody. Everyone's normal. Everyone's the same. So it, it is crazy. Like the transition though, like, cause I, I do, I do try to go outside and it is, it is obviously different ever since we, we got back from the bubble, but it was just, it's just different now. Um, I'm sure it is for a lot of guys too, but I mean, it's just, there's levels to this, bro. There's levels. I promise you. Your your different and mine different are a whole lot different. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, nah, man. I just I just it's whatever to me. But yeah, it, like I can't I, I don't really go shopping no more. Like I haven't been right. shopping in, in forever. I don't go outside too much. I'm in the house. That's when you know like you really got it like that when like you don't go shopping like the shopping comes to you you know what i mean like like the the designer whatever ambassadors or whatever they pull up to your house like yo this is the drop we got where you know i'm still getting in my car driving to you know whatever to try to get the latest drop um so all right we i, I got a question we we asked this for all our guests um when you look back on your journey and, and you got a super interesting one, like we said, like particularly the last two, three years have been crazy. Is there a moment that sticks out to you of like a, a pivotal moment that like this was a springboard, this was a catalyst for like my success and that if this kind of had gone differently and maybe it's that decommitting moment um, or maybe it's something else, a conversation you had or an experience that you had uh, that really kind of shaped things. Honestly, I would take it back to senior year of high school, like that summer, right before my senior year. Um, I went to the Nike Academy and it was like a camp, you know, all the top high school players. And um, we we ended up hooping. I was killing at the camp and this Nike rep came up to me. It was just like, yo, you, you can't go to Wisconsin. Like, <laughs> That's just not, that's, if you go to Wisconsin, you're, you're, you're messing it up. Like you can't go there. So I'm like, I start thinking about it more and it's like, yeah. 
So I ended up decommitting. But I would say then because, you know, it was the camp. And then Kobe, Kobe had actually came and talked to us at the camp. And that was like a changing point where he was just talking about his routine and through the league and what he did in the summer to work out and, you know, getting up at 3 a.m., working out till 6, you know, getting his, his kids ready for, for school, taking a nap, working out again. Like, it's just like a lifestyle that you, you know, you become obsessed with that you, that you, you obviously know. Um, but just things like the thing like that, you know, a conversation with, you know, one of my favorite players was Kobe and to hear that really just motivated me. And obviously I did make that, that decommitment and went to Kentucky and it kind of just changed from there. So it sounds like the Wisconsin fans should be sending their hate mail to that Nike rep. And not you. Saying the same thing. It's like, oh no, that guy better be careful. <laughs> I like it, man. It's not, yeah, take the blame off of you, man. It's, it's some, right. some guy from Nike. We don't need to name names, but direct your hate towards him. Guy from um, Nike, man. <laughs> yeah. He messed it all up. You could have Final Fours, Wisconsin, man. <laughs> could have added to the banners um all right so we'll, we'll wrap up here we got our our undrafted segment so once again uh just a, a quick explanation we're looking for the you know the underrated answers uh stay away from you know the mainstream type stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna lead it off here i want to know your your undrafted shoe that you like to play in so maybe like no kobe's i know you like kobe's but stay away from yeah. the kobe's um Undrafted shoe would probably be. I know these might be popular. I don't know. Paul George's, like, yeah. Um, I was wearing those at Kentucky for a long time, and they were they were really comfortable. Like the you PG. like the older ones though, like yeah, the, the ones. older ones, yeah, yeah the ones. And yeah. I think I feel like those are underrated because a lot of people, you know, don't wear those, especially now with all the shoes out. But I, I still I still rock with those. I was gonna say you you've been wearing them lately, right? Yeah, the, the yeah. PG ones. How often are you changing your shoes, Tyler? Are you playing in different ones every game? No, I don't. I have like six or seven shoes I rotate. No, man's man's got flavors though. <laughs> you know, there's, there's there's nothing basic. There's nothing basic going on in Tyler, except for <laughs> except for the all black. He'll, he'll rock the all black. The all black, uh, yeah. The Those all black PG ones. <laughs> Other than that, there's some, we got flavors. <laughs> all right, I got the next one here for you, Tyler. I want the like the underappreciated nickname of yours, because you've got some great ones, Boy Wonder, Baby Goat, you know, with the pinky, you got Bucket. Is there one you wish was circulated more? Like, is there one you really, uh, you know, relate to that you think doesn't get enough uh, circulation? Uh, I like the Boy Wonder one. Like, I feel like the Heat have picked up on it. Kentucky did their thing with it. But like, I feel like the, the general people, you know, they'll call me like Bucket or Baby Go, but I like I like Boy Wonder, and I like that because Bob and I think you you met uh our Duncan knows, but you guys met Fee, I'm pretty sure. Bob, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he he made that for me in like high school, like he just made. So we kind of just ran with it, and he was the one who ended up, you know, really making that. So shout out to Fee, man. That's my guy. Shout out Fee. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, boy wonder right. good to know boy wonder yeah i mean this this is some big time media coverage so now that you say that uh boy wonder is gonna stick man you're gonna see I it like everywhere that. I appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, long shot man there you go there you go <laughs> our, uh, our million listeners are gonna love that yeah um all right number three we got your undrafted underrated aspect of living in the great city of miami under see we talked about this before 
we we started. I, I want to go with with food, but I feel like there's something that's more unappreciated that I'm missing, and I, I don't know what it is. Food's not a bad answer though. Like I feel like people hate on the the Miami food scene, like it's not New York or L.A. But I I really I think it's on the come up. I really do. Granted, no, I don't yeah, really have is. much to compare it to, but still. Yeah, I would say the food for sure. Then I'm gonna go with the food. But All right. is there is there a restaurant you like? Carbone. Oh no, man! Everybody keeps talking about that. I, I gotta go. <laughs> Carbone is is good. Um, I've been there twice. It's, it's good. Yeah, I know they have one in New York, um, but I, I think it just opened in Miami here, right on the yeah, beach. Recently, recently. I love it, man. All right, bro. Well, hey, thank you for, for giving us some of your time. Uh, we know you're, you're plenty busy. So thanks for taking the time, bro. We certainly really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, man, well, I'll see you at practice tomorrow. Yeah, see you tomorrow, <laughs> man. <laughs> I All appreciate right, you guys for sure. Yep. All right, bro. All right.